and welcome to the Victory Devotional Podcast. We invite you to take the next few minutes to connect with God, hear His voice, and respond in worship and prayer. Here's today's message. Lord, just as you are faithful to us, to our families, in the past two years, Lord, we continue to lift your name and praise you. We are grateful for the way that you sustained us, upheld us. Lord, thank you. Bless our time this week as we reflect on your passion, as we reflect on what you've done at the cross and how you resurrected again from the dead. Lord, bless the rest of our celebration and reflection in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Holy Week, everyone. You know, we approach this uh, season of Lent each year with a heart that's so grateful for what Jesus has done. We remember what He has done and the significance of that for our lives and how that has brought us freedom, how that has brought us forgiveness, how that has brought us eternal life. And we look forward to when we celebrate on Resurrection Sunday and just continue to release the resurrection power of God for each of our walk with Him and for the way that God will move in a powerful way in each of our families. And so we continue our reflection on God's desire to dwell with His people. And specifically today, we're going to talk about the temple. The temple. I'm wearing this shirt. Uh, this is the Tandem Cinema shirt. <laughs> this is a picture of the 198 of 1984 when we started meeting at the basement of Tandem Cinema. I was not there yet. I came to Victory around 1991, but I hear stories about this. I hear stories about the leaking basement. I hear stories about the smell. And this was where we initially gathered more than 100 students as we began meeting on a uh, weekend, on uh, each weekend. And then I hear stories about there's there being a huge, uh, a huge map of the world and where students would just lay their hands there and just believe God to be used to go to the nations. I hear stories about uh, them being one chapter ahead and they would disciple people. Even though they're just new, they would disciple others too. I hear uh, the phrase, a Bible and a passport, the idea of a Bible. It, each student being challenged to have a Bible so that they can obey God, so that they can know God, and a passport so that they can obey God to go to the nations. This was sort of our first gathering place, officially. It was like a temple to us. How significant was the temple of Israel to the Jews? That's what we'd like to be able to discover together uh, this morning. I'd like to begin reading from 2 Samuel chapter 7, in verse 1. It says here, Now when the king referring to David, lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies. The king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of Sedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. David was expressing a dilemma. And, you know, just a background story. We understand, uh, you know, we, we, we know that God has always desired to dwell with his people. Ever since from the beginning, the Garden of Eden, He created a place for Adam and Eve and a place where they could walk together, where, they, where Adam and Eve could experience God uh, in the midst of the garden. But because of our rebellion, because of that sin, the fall of man, God began, started the process of redemption. Now, in the course of time, the Jews, uh, eventually, well, the, the Israelites, they grew in number in Egypt. And God delivered them out of Egypt. And while they were in, uh, you know, in go going around the wilderness, God instructed Moses and Aaron to build a tabernacle where His presence could be. 
you know, where the Ark of the Covenant could be, which, uh, which uh, represents His presence to the people of Israel. So here was God setting up the Garden of Eden for mankind. God wanted His people to be able to experience Him. God wants to dwell with His people. And here's the tabernacle. God wants to dwell with the Israelites. And, and now we're talking about the temple. At this point, there was no temple yet. There was only the tabernacle of Moses, which was in Gibeon. But the Ark of the Covenant, David was able to bring it finally to Jerusalem. It was dwelling in a tent. And so David was saying this, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, of wood. But the Ark of God dwells in a tent. David had a desire, had a desire to be able to build a more permanent dwelling place for the Ark of the Covenant, a more permanent dwelling place for God's presence. Well, the principle that we get here from the beginning, when we look at the trend from the Garden of Eden to the tabernacle and now coming to the temple, is that God desires to dwell with His people. And apparently, um, David, King David understands that. He gets that. God desires to dwell with His people. And to them, uh, eventually, as, uh, as we shall see, it was not fulfilled by David himself. God had to speak to him and tell him, David, you're not going to be the one to build the temple for me, but rather I will raise up a son for you. Uh, you know, he will be the one to build the temple for you. Now, the history of the temple goes on that after, they, after Solomon built it, it came to be a represent, it was a glorious temple. It represented God's glorious presence. And around at least three times a year, all of the Israelites from the whole nation would gather together for their festivals and they would celebrate together in the temple. And many of the Psalms have been written to be able to depict that, how they would gather together and celebrate as a nation. But then along the way, uh, along the way, the Babylonians, when they conquered Judah, they ravaged the temple. It was completely destroyed. But then after 70 years, when the exiles began to come back, that was their first task, to rebuild the temple. Yeah. In the time of uh, Ezra the priest and Haggai the prophet, you would see that in, in, in the prophetic scriptures. They would t tell the story of how this second temple was, re was built again. And the idea that the glory of the former temple, the temple of Solomon, uh, was way greater than the glory of this particular temple that they had to rebuild because it did no longer contain all of the gold, the silver, and the precious stones that the initial temple of Solomon did. But then eventually, the second temple was also destroyed along the way uh, when Jerusalem was ravaged by the Romans in AD 70. Now, what remains of that second temple is the Western Wall, which to the Jews is a very holy site. I had a chance around six years ago to actually be able to visit that, the western wall of the temple in Jerusalem, or we call, they also call it the Wailing Wall. And I, I was looking at that from, from the side. Many people were just praying there. I saw a lot of prayer papers stuck into the wall. I guess prayers of pilgrims who went there, who's bringing their requests to God. And in that solemn moment, I also prayed to God. And it, it was a beautiful moment to be able to experience God's presence right here where the original temple was built and now uh, just this wall only this wall remains but nonetheless you know that it's it's amazing how the presence of God could still be felt in that place the temple is so significant for the Israelites and it's an expression of God's desire to be able to dwell with his people now, when David was saying that, that, he had his, that uh, you know, my house, I, I live in a house of cedar, but the, the, uh, the ark of God, you know, it dwells, in, the ark of God dwells in a tent. 
You know what the response of the prophet Nathan was? In verse 3, it says here in 2 Samuel 7, verse 3, And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Apparently, God was pleased. Nathan was pleased. <laughs> God was pleased for David uh, to desire to be able to build a temple like that for the ark of God. In fact, we know that because after, uh, after Nathan comes home, he receives a word of the Lord and then goes back to David and then gives this prophetic word to David and tells him that, because, you know, um, your, your desire to be able to build me a temple, you're not going to be the one to do it because you're a man of war. Blood is in your hands. But I will raise up someone for you who will be the one to build it. And I have a promise for the people of Israel. I will bless them. I will give them a defined territory. I'll cause them to prosper. And towards the end of that prophetic word given by Nathan to King David because of his desire to build a temple for the living God, this, this is in verse 11. Nathan says, Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. God was so pleased with David's desire to build him uh, and the ark of God a permanent dwelling place that God says, David, I'm going to build you a house. The house that's referred here is not the house of Sedar or like the, the house that you go into. The house that's being referred here talks about his generations, talks about his descendants. I'm going to build you a house. You know, like when you say the house of David, David, his children, his grandchildren, and so on, and all of the dynasty of David, uh, the kings of Judah. When you think about that, God promised back, God blessed David and told him, you know, because of your desire to build for me a temple, a house, I'm going to build you a house. I am so pleased with your desire to also dwell with me. God is pleased when people also desire for his presence to dwell with them. I love the implication of that because now that tells me that, Lord, how about me, Lord? Do I desire you and your presence as much? You know, David, even though the tabernacle uh, was in Gibeon, he brought the ark of God in Jerusalem because he wanted the presence of God to be near. Do we desire the presence of God too? Do we come to God with a sense of desperation every day, saying, Lord, I really want to experience you again today. Lord, I want to experience your presence. Lord, I want to read your word. I want to pray to you. I want to worship you, Lord, because I want to experience your presence. And God, I want my family to experience your presence. Lord, I want my, my people to experience your presence, my workmates, my friends. Lord, I want them to also experience your presence because God is pleased with your desire to be able to experience him more. Now, Solomon uh, testified to that, that God was really pleased with King David uh, because, you know, in 1 Kings chapter 8, in verse 17, after the temple was built, and Solomon is now giving, he, giving his address to the people and telling them about how this came about to begin with. 1 Kings 8, verse 17. Now, it was in the heart of David, my father, to build a house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. Verse 18. But the Lord said to David, my father, whereas it was in your heart to build a house for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. <laughs> you did well that it was in your heart. God was pleased that David had it in his heart to be able to desire more of God's presence, to build a permanent dwelling place for the ark of God so that his presence could continually be with all 
of Israel. In fact, I would say that this is probably the last of David's greatest, great, I know, last of David's greatest acts. That towards the end of his life, he made preparations for the temple. He set up gold, silver, everything that would be needed. He put together the plans, the written plans, passed it on to his son Solomon so that Solomon might be the one to run with it. You know, that actually gives us insight into why David was named a man called a man after his own heart. A man after his own heart. David desired the presence of God. Do you desire the presence of God with such a desperation too? Or are you just familiar with His presence? Or do we take it for granted already? Or maybe you, you grew up you know, knowing about God and you feel like that's it. This is as much as I could experience of God. When in reality, there is so much more that could be experienced of God. All the way from the Garden of Eden to the tabernacle and now to the temple, God desires to dwell with His people, but He's looking for people who would wish to dwell with Him who would wish to dwell with him, who would wish to approach his presence. Fast forward to the, to the New Testament time. You remember Jesus? There was a point that, you know, he was angry at the money changers and those who were doing commerce, doing business uh, at the temple. And he drove them out with whips, right? You know, some of us might wonder, how did that even, what, what motivated Jesus to do that? Well, a quick explanation. The people who were selling merchandise and the people who were exchanging money, they were doing it at the court of the Gentiles. That's the last part, the, the, the outermost portion, portion where people could approach. And the Gentiles, the people who travel, the God-fearers who travel from different nations to be able to worship at the temple in Jerusalem, that's as far as they could go. And if you travel uh, thousands of miles or hundreds of miles and then you get there, and then the only thing that you see there it would be the, we hear the bleating of sheep and all of the trade that's happening. And, you know, you couldn't really focus and approach God right there. And Jesus was angry because the Gentiles were being prevented from approaching God. That's pretty consistent with how he was also angry with his disciples when they prevented the children to be able to come to him. Do you see that? Do you see the pattern? God wants people to be able to approach Him, to come to Him. And this message and this His presence is also given even for the Gentiles. And when people prevented others from being able to approach God in that way, Jesus was angry with them. God desires for people to approach Him, to be able to experience His presence in a greater way. You know, think about our relationships. Uh, you immediately know this. For example, if you're married, you know how the fires of romance <laughs> in marriage could, you know, could go down. But it's something that needs to be nurtured. It's about you drawing near to each other. It's about you continually reminding yourself of how much you value each other right from the beginning. It's about you expressing that love in tangible ways, whether in words, in action. It's about us serving each other, sacrificing for each other every day and not being familiar about the whole relationship. That's how to nurture the fires of romance all over again. It has to be a drawing near that will continually, that needs to continually happen. You see that too, even in our families. For example, with your children, our relationship with our children has to be pursued. It has to be an active pursuit. It's about us trying to understand them. It's about our children also, you know, uh, trying to understand us. Even with friendships, that's the case too. You know, friendships can grow apart if we don't nurture it with conversation, with concern, with, with, uh, with, with updating each other, with being current with each other, with seeing each other, with spending time, with, with going through life together. There has to be a natural drawing near from both sides. See, just a quick application for all of us. 
because God desires to dwell with His people and that God is pleased when people want to dwell with Him too, then we encourage every one of us, especially in the season of the Holy Week. Hopefully, you'll be able to slow down a bit, have a time of reflection. You know, go ahead and extend a bit in your reading, in your Bible reading. Spend a little bit more time in prayer. Journal even. Just express your love for God to nurture your relationship with God. Reaffirm your desperation for His presence. Reaffirm your desire to see His face, to encounter Him, to hear His voice all over again. Draw near. There's a promise in James chapter 4 in verse 8. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Do you desire God? as well, as much as He desires you, as He desires to reveal His presence to you? How desperate are you for His presence? The beautiful thing, though, is that as you desire for more of God, that's as much also that He would, as much as he would also reveal to you, uh, Himself to you, uh, in the same way. It's amazing. Let's go ahead and experience God all over again. Maybe just a quick practical thing. Uh, my family and I, we usually take communion. At certain times, I lead my family to take communion together, uh, especially during the Holy Week. Uh, on Friday, uh, during Good Fridays, we spend some time to just remember what Christ has done. And we do that. We read from 1 Corinthians 11 in verse 23 onwards. And we, uh, we just read that and we partake of the bread, partake of the cup, and we just do that as a family. And our kids are also growing up with that because we remember what Christ has done. And it's us proclaiming all over again that, Lord, we desire for your presence to dwell in our home, to dwell in our house. God is pleased when people also desire for his presence to dwell with them. Just one final story and then we'll pray. Um, I remember, you know, I, you, you remember I told you about uh, the chance to visit the Western Wall in Jerusalem. I could not shake off one particular feeling. When I was there, right in front of the wall, praying to God and seeking His presence, you know what? I really felt His presence there. But then I also had this feeling, Lord, this is the same feeling of Your presence when I pray to You back in the Philippines, back in our home, in the privacy of my room. Lord, I also experience Your presence in the same way there. It's amazing because at that time, the presence of God would be limited in terms of, you know, that for the people to experience Him. They would need to go to the temple at least thrice a year to be able to experience God's presence. In our day, and for, in our day and time, we could experience God's presence right where we are. And we'll talk more about that in the following days as we, uh, as we talk about Jesus and His, His coming in the New Testament and its relationship to the idea that God wants to dwell with His people. Our final encouragement, draw near to God. He desires to reveal His presence to you. And you can experience His presence as much, as much today. Even though we do not have the physical temple, you can experience His presence in a great way today, right in the privacy of your own room, right in your time of prayer and worship, right when you read the Bible, right in your solemn moments with God. The Lord's presence is with you and will come to you. Let's pray together. Lord, we desire you more in our lives. We desire your presence. We desire to experience you. Lord, may we never take for granted the fact that your presence has been made available to us in our time because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, thank you that we could experience you in this way. Lord, I pray that you would stir up a desire in each of us to, Lord, to, to want your presence, to be desperate for your presence even more. And may we experience you indeed coming on us, coming on each of our homes, especially in the season of the Holy Week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go and worship God again together.
Lord, thank you. Indeed, may the presence of God go and be with you this week. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn His face towards you and grant you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless us, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. We hope this helps you build a habit of hearing from God daily. For more messages like these, follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to watch these messages live every morning, visit us on facebook.com slash victoryph.